So I did a few shows mentioning this thing that everyone's talking about, that all the news is about. And it turns out that certain platforms, like maybe the one we're on right now, maybe the one that I live stream from tomorrow, they censor and suppress anytime you use that word that cannot be spoken or no one will see this video. Very interesting times. It's funny to see that these platforms that aren't supposed to be publishers are really acting like publishers and determining who can be listened to on what subjects. Very scary. Very scary indeed. I was looking at the numbers. I'm keeping an eye on where the apex or where the culmination of this is going to be because that's when I want to get back into the market. I may get in too soon and get some dips and might lose some money in the short term, but it's not about being perfect. It's not about finding the lowest point. You just want to get somewhere near the lowest. And once you jump in there, then you just hold on and ride it back up. I was talking and debating with a few people about this and I actually had, I think it was my first ever Twitter thread how to build a tent, if you want to follow me on there, where I was talking about the differences between where we are in this economy crash, quote unquote, versus the past recessions, depressions, and stock market crashes. And it's usually the the, the result of our economy overextending itself and retracting. And that's what a recession is. It's where the stock market pulls back. But this is different. And it's different in a lot of ways, but one of the specific ways that I think it's different where I am really positive and really optimistic about the economy is that we're becoming more efficient. We kind of did in 2008 where businesses learned how to do more with less people, but we're becoming more efficient in ways where we're working from home, where we are releasing our video content directly to consumers at home instead of through movie theaters and a a middleman where we're doing online groceries and we're doing all of these new things where technology was eventually going to take us, but we're kind of getting pushed there because of this epidemic. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot more money that is not spent on the typical day-to-day with, and this is the key part, with the same or more value provided before. So, People working from home can be more efficient. They spend less time commuting. They have less distractions in the office usually. The company doesn't have to rent out office space for the person to work at an office. And all of these things add up to creating more value because the individual is still doing and producing the same amount of work, but the cost for that employee is going down. And we're seeing this in all these different areas. And grocery stores are eventually going to be a place where e-grocery is the predominant channel where their revenue is coming from. They don't have to have as big of warehouse spaces. They don't have to have as wide of aisles, which means they can reduce their overhead and reduce their leases. This is all going to help the economy. And so that's why I'm really optimistic about where we are going. Yes, the government can screw it up. Yes, we can have a slow recovery if we do things like we did in 2008, throwing out all these bailouts like we're talking about. I'm kind of liking that the Democrats are trying to throw in these poison pills and these agendas. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get like get subsidies for solar farms. They're supposed to. They're trying to get diversity of boards. They're just doing all these crazy things 
that they don't realize the internet is showing them out to be a bunch of hacks and people that don't care about helping the people with the coronavirus, but are just trying to put in whatever they want that has nothing to do with coronavirus. I'm kind of glad because it doesn't allow us to spend all this crazy money that we don't have. And we honestly probably don't need in a lot of respects. And I'm like really curious about how much money we're giving to everybody. And I don't know why we're giving it to everybody. If we need to support small businesses, okay, I'm, I'm still, I still think we should be doing that. If we need to bail out the airlines and the oil companies, well, there's going to be ways that we can do that. We can make purchases like, like what Trump did. He had the strategic reserve buy oil. We can do that with the airlines. We can prepay our tickets that we would spend anyways on Department of Defense, State Department, buying airline tickets. We'll just buy them now. And so you have the cash on hand. We can do creative things like that. But bailouts are the worst idea. We shouldn't be bailing out individuals. We shouldn't be bailing out big companies because that is just putting us further in debt, raising our taxes and raising interest rates down the road for our kids and their grandkids. And even for ourselves, maybe. Who knows? Who knows if that's way? Anyways, that's a whole tangent to say that we were talking about the thing that we can't talk about. And I'm just keeping an eye because I do want to get back in the market. And I'm just looking for when is the right time. And I've been saying that I'm waiting until the news cycle kind of goes over the scare, the hysteria, and all the buildup of what's going on. Not to say that this thing that I can't mention isn't serious. I'm not saying it's not and that it has impacted people. It definitely has. But I believe it's getting blown out of proportion and our response is just over the top. So with that, I'm looking and I see that actual reported cases and confirmed. Again, we're testing people. So more of these tests are coming out. 650% increase from a week ago in the United States. That's, let's see. Yeah, that's the biggest percentage increase of any nation that's listed according to global health strategies. So we have over 31,000 cases of what cannot be named. Very, very interesting. And I think it might keep going up. So I'm kind of holding back on the market. I'm, I, I feel like my gut is starting to say like we're probably getting close to a bottom. I think we're getting close, but I might be waiting just a little bit longer. So that's where I'm at right now with that. To have some optimistic news, I was watching Justin Bieber. He was being filmed. He was joining Kanye West at one of his Sunday services. And I was thinking about that and how God has really been working in Kanye West's life this last year, how Justin Bieber has had this come back to Jesus moment where he looks legit too. I think Kanye West is legit. I don't think he's faking it. I don't know him personally, but from what I've been able to see, uh, I have no reason to hold back You know, my accepting him as a Christian. And the same for Justin Bieber as of now. And I think that it's really interesting, I was thinking about this, of how many people had the opportunity to hear the gospel from these celebrities, these people that we worship in our society, these people that have these careers where people look up to them, and how many people got to hear the gospel before this happened of the thing that we can't name and the reaction to it and the blowing up of it and how people are going to be losing jobs. I saw the first post notification of 10,000 people losing their job. Um, so it, people are getting hurt by this. But it's like God was trying to get people 
to see and giving them a chance to embrace the gospel for the time that was coming to us ahead. And in congruency or in conjunction with thinking that God is just going to be doing some great things this year. And I still truly believe that in our American mind and our prosperity mindset, we think that only God is working and doing great things when things are going our way and we are getting richer and we're getting more things and we're more comfortable. But oftentimes I don't think God works that way. And I still believe that God's going to do amazing things this year. And he's using times like this and the thing that can't be named to adjust our mindset. A lot of times we think of sin and we think of the flesh as actions that we shouldn't do. And we are trying to turn away from those things. We shouldn't be angry. We shouldn't steal. and We shouldn't do all these things. But I think too, part of that, is we have a skewed mindset, excuse me, I just hit my mic. We have a skewed mindset on how we perceive life should go, how we think that God blesses us, how God works in our lives, how God works in our careers and our businesses. And we have to constantly, I think part of the sanctification process is not just moving from sin to being holy, and it's definitely that, but also having the mind shift of stopping thinking the way I think and my perverted mind from sin and my skewed mindset, my skewed vision of how life works and how God works, what his plan is, and seeing it as his plan. That is, I'm not looking for success the way I define success, but I'm starting to see success in the way God looks at success. And I'm starting to see how God is claiming victory on this earth, not because, not how I see it, but how he sees it and what he's doing. And as we do this, I think God uses these times to help push that along. And I think it's important for us to do that as well. And so seeing these things like Justin Bieber, Kanye West, talk about these things and preaching the gospel in these ways that we wouldn't as a church ever advise to do, but he's doing it. And I was also thinking not just that he was preparing us for this time and God's doing all this amazing work and he's going to be using this to really... I think shake us a little bit and get us back on track, which I'm thankful for. A lot of us in the church needed to be shaken. But I was also thinking about the responsibility. I've talked about this before from a preacher perspective, from our podcast even, that podcasters have a response. I just pulled some of my wife's hair out of my shirt. My wife's hair gets in my shirts because we do our laundry together. That's a little weird thing to have on YouTube. Um, but I was thinking about the responsibility that we have in the positions that we have of leadership, not just as pastors or podcasters and not even just as celebrities, but as VPs, as managers, as attorney generals, as governors, as president. We are going to be held accountable for what goes on under our responsibility, not just to preach the gospel, not just to live faithfully, to what God has called us to, not just to have his mindset, not just to keep from sinning, not just from making sure that we are having a Christ-centered relationship with him, but also what are we doing? How are we managing well what God has given us? Which leads me to this next story, which it's interesting because I think both sides of this issue should be upset. Now, I'm reading this from the liberal perspective, who is extremely upset. Apparently, Texas has outlawed any medical procedure, quote unquote, that is not medically necessary. 
And it was clarified that the attorney general of Texas said that that includes abortion. So as of now, unless the life of the mother is in danger, which with our technology today is never the case. You hear that from doctors. The warning comes, Doctor, or I mean, sorry, Governor Greg Abbott ordered healthcare facilities and professionals postponed all procedures that are deemed not medically necessary as the state gears up for an influx of patients with COVID-19. So the left is really upset by this because the attorney general, the governor, they're using their authority. They're using their, their governorship, their leadership to stop non-medical necessary procedures, including abortion. So there'll be more room for patients that come in from this thing that couldn't be named. And I just realized I probably read it and now I'm not going to get any views on you on the YouTube, but whatever, we're already into it. He has his authority to do this. God has given him this authority and he's going to be held accountable. Greg Abbott, you're going to be held accountable for how you govern, for what happens under your watch. You're going to be held accountable. The AG who further clarified that abortions aren't going to be allowed under um, during this time of this thing that can't be named. You're going to be held accountable. God, you're going to give an answer to God. And I say that because the right should be just as mad because this proves that they have the authority to end it now. They have the precedent, precedent, the standing. They have the responsibility. They don't need this thing that everyone is scared of to get them to stop abortions in their state. They could do it today. They could never allow it again while they are governor, while they are attorney general, while they have this professional responsibility. They have this job, the governor, they are the attorney general. God has given them responsibility and they're going to be held accountable for every child that dies because from abortion under their watch because they didn't have the balls, because they didn't have the courage, because they trembled in fear, because they worried about their careers, because they worried about what men and women would think about them. So much so that they would sacrifice these children for their career. They would sacrifice these children for their image. And they're going to be held accountable for this. And this move will be held to them as condemnation of what they could have done. And they didn't do. I'm glad they're stopping the abortions now. Praise God. But you will be held accountable when you let them start murdering children again. Don't go back. Don't go back. Remember that you are going to be held accountable someday. Before we get into the Jubilee article, there's been some I've actually, I saw an article about it, and then I've also seen some other people talk about this, where we should be implementing Jubilee. And I want to talk about how irresponsible that is, how 
much like Bernie Sanders that really is. That's what the title of the show is. Because this is really, I think, unwise of us as Christians to be throwing around this term as a solution to our problems today. Before we do, I want to talk to you about Kingsman Grooming Products. You can go over to kingsmangroomingpros.com. Put in HGBT when you check out. You get 10% off. I love these guys. They are a supporter of the show. They are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. I don't even know if I said part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Go over to FLF.com. Become a member. This is How to Build a Tent. I don't even think I introduced the show. <laughs> I'm so ready to get into this one. Uh, but Kingsman Grooming Products. They have beer products, pre-shave products, aftershave products. I wear it all the time. They have high-quality products I absolutely love. My skin has never been itchy since I've used it. My beard is doing what I want it to do. And I don't get all those itchy stuff. And it's just fantastic. Go over there. Support a small business that needs your support in a time like this. Christian company. They're supporters of the show, supporters of the network. Get 10% off. Get great quality products. Use them anyways. Support a Christian company. Go over to kingsmangroomingpros.com. Put in HGBT. You get 10% off when you, at checkout. It's great. You get a discount. You get high quality products. You support a Christian company. kingsmangroomingpros.com. So there's this idea going around the internet in Christian circles that one of the solutions is a debt jubilee is the only way to avoid a depression. And you talk about this and you're like, no, that's crazy. You shouldn't do that. That's not right. And they're like, well, I just want to implement God's law. Now, I sympathize and agree that we should be using the Old Testament and what God's law was and use it, the common grace of it, to apply it today as best we can. But when you just throw out something like we should cancel our debt via Jubilee, to avoid a depression and just kind of give examples of when debt's been canceled in the past. That's not a serious argument. And I don't want us as Christians, as intellectual Christians, Christians that are intelligent, that are thinking through these things that are legitimately seeking God, that are legitimately wanting to do and have justice in the land. I don't want us to be as lazy as libertarians are. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. But it's true. It's true. A lot of times libertarians, just what I've observed, libertarians are really great at talking about the end, that this is how it should be. As long as you don't hurt anyone, there should be no laws, there should be no taxes, and privatize everything, which most of it I agree. I'm not fair and just and would make us all better off than what in whatever we have today. But this is the problem, and I don't want us to do this as Christians either, that libertarians provide the summary of an essay without doing the body work. They provide the end, what it's supposed to look like, but we don't get any steps on how to get there. We don't get any serious discussion. We don't get any practical ways where we can shift the window from where we are today to where we should be in the future. It is great. That we should have these minimal laws, that we shouldn't have prisons, that we should have these days of jubilee. But how do we get there practically? And until we can create the body of work, and I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out before you talk about these things, but we need to be discussing the details and be discussing the steps and the tactics and the strategies on how we're going to get to this vision of implementing God's you know, just law and using the principles of the Old Testament to apply to us today in economics and politics, 
all these areas. And until we do that, it's irresponsible for us to be throwing around things like we should use Jubilee to cancel the debt. Because this is what's going to happen. Let's see where I'm on time. I'm 20 minutes. I'm time. This is what's going to happen. If we just canceled all the debt and started over like some people are proposing, if we did that, we will have higher interest rates than we did in the 70s and 80s. That is 20, 30%, maybe 40% interest rates. We will no longer be the reserve currency in the world. We would no longer be the safe haven in times of trouble, in the times of global crisis like we're in now. See, when there's these problems, the interest rates drop. Not, I'm not even talking about the Fed right now, but because everyone goes to U.S. Treasury bonds, that is the U.S. debt, everyone rushes into that because that's the safest place to be and interest rates go down, which creates more liquidity in the market, which is how the free market is supposed to be. That's without the Fed doing anything. And then the Fed further manipulates and things like that. But we would have this time where we would have such low, I mean, we would have such high interest rates because the risk of us doing it again sometime would be so much more likely than it is now when we've never done it that people would be hesitant to lend to us because they wouldn't get their money back. The risk would be higher. The interest rate would be higher. The second thing that would happen is that liquidity in the markets would be dried up because no one would want to get a loan for that much. But most importantly, there would be fewer and fewer people that were lenders that got hurt by this debt being wiped out that would want to lend to people anyways. Because if you just cancel the debt, it's not like you're erasing it off a piece of paper with a eraser where it just disappears. When you are canceling debt, the person that lent the money to the debtor, the debtee, would it be? The debtee is the one who loses the money. So all you're doing is picking a winner and loser just like we accuse Bernie Sanders of doing, just like we accuse the crony capitalists of doing. This is no different than the progressive libertarian, not libertarian, progressive liberal policies that we're fighting, mocking, and voting against. There's no difference between Bernie Sanders counseling to debt and you saying Jubilee is a solution to this problem. And this is why there's no difference. See, in the Bible, when God laid out these laws, before any contracts, before any of these deals were created, these loans, these employment contracts, before any of these things were created, it was understood that this year of Jubilee was going to happen. And so the cost, the risk, was already baked in into those contracts. They knew it was coming in the eighth year. They knew it was coming in the future. And so they were making decisions with Jubilee in mind. They were making decisions with understanding how God's law was going to work already. But when you're doing this after those deals are happening, not only are you bastardizing Jubilee, and I use that word seriously, you're not using Jubilee for what it is for. It is not a reset button. That is not what Jubilee is. It's a picture of something far greater, of fairness, of justice, of beauty, of the reliance on God, of 
trusting in God's work for us. It has so many implications and has so much beauty that when you just use it as a reset button, you're bastardizing what Jubilee was meant to be. It's not a reset button. And it's foolish of us to throw it around like it is. So if you want to implement Jubilee, if you want to implement God's law in an equitable way, in the way that we can apply it to today to make sense in economics, I'm game. I think God and God's rules apply in everyday life. That's what this show is all about, is applying God's law, God's principles in everyday life because it works because God created it all. But we need to have tangible steps. We need to have it all thought out. And we can't just be throwing around these in the game, the summary of an essay without the body because we will be laughed at and not taken seriously just like the Libertarian Party. Look how far the Libertarian Party has gotten. And it's because of this. There's no practical steps. It's all in game. And no one can figure out what it means, what it looks like. How am I going to vote for somebody who doesn't even know or can't even lay out what steps it takes to get to what you want? Otherwise, you're just going to be ineffective. And if you can't articulate how we get from point A to point B, then you're not really a good leader. And that's what we need in these times. So put the Jubilee back in the pocket. Let's start thinking through these things rationally, strategically, and tactically, step by step. And then we can get there someday. But until then, that's just not a serious proposal, guys. All right. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Matt, at howtobuild10.com. You can find me on all the social media sites, How to Build a 10. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. 